We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. It's Saturday, October 31st. You know what that means? What does that mean? It's Halloween. So, happy Halloween, folks. My name's Jason Taylor, host of Evidence of Design. We'll introduce our co-host in just a second when we figure out how to work these darned wires. Matt Treadwell and Mary Lawrence are also in the studio. I think uh, Matt can try again. Hello. Hey. Yeah, there we are. So that's the voice of luxurious Matt Treadwell. You guys missed the best part of the show because I wasn't on. (laughs) We can always make that happen. (laughs) Mary, you know what to do. Hey, this is Mary Lawrence. How's it going, Mary? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm like not dressed up for Halloween, but I'm dressed up for Halloween, if you know what I'm saying. I'm wearing my pumpkin kitty socks. That sounds awesome. What color are the cats? Well, it's a, it's a black cat sitting on a pumpkin with a witch hat on, I think. <sighs> I love cats. Oh, no, there's no witch hat. But there's a black cat sitting on a pumpkin, which is the most fall thing I can think of. It's pretty fall. Right. Yeah. I didn't shave today, so that's kind of terrifying. Mm, yeah, your hair is super long. I can actually see the hair particles on your head. Yeah, it's like a one-tenth of a millimeter. Matt's bald, for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> bald by choice, though. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm dressed up as a radio show host for Halloween this year. Wow, that's so creative. Which means original. I'm just wearing Eddie Bauer clothes. Cause that's <laughs> <laughs> all you own. All I own. <laughs> oh, what are we talking about today? Oh, my God, there's an election going on. It's the most important election of our life. Uh, is that trite to say? No, I don't think so. So, um... There are records of COVID-19, confirmed COVID-19 cases locally in Monroe County. We've set records for early voting in Monroe County. One good record, one bad record. And then we'll also talk about new tax uh, brackets that are released for 2021. Don't turn down the volume, folks. I know I just said tax brackets. 
it'll be fun. This it'll is a spooky episode, so we've got to talk about some spooky things. Right, and what could be spookier than the state of our national politics? I and tax brackets and tax brackets. Yeah, I I can't think of anything else to be honest. The the nightmare world that we're living in. But we'll support one another because this is life. And you know what? It's okay to go through tough times sometimes because we're all experiencing it together. And as long as we acknowledge the fact that we're going through tough times, then we can at least be honest with ourselves and do what we need to do to acknowledge the pain and move on together from it. And just like your favorite slasher films, only one of us will be alive by the end of the show. (laughs) I don't know if show is an evidence of design or show is in the world that we're living through, but I certainly hope it can be more mutual than that. So uh, we are live on Halloween, so you're welcome to give us a call at any time, 585-219-8889. Again, 585-219-8889. Why would you call into evidence of design? Well, we critique income and wealth inequality. Folks, there is too much economic inequality out there. The United States has had increasing economic inequality over the past 50 years, and that is not by accident. We believe that there is a very small amount of people who control too much income, too much wealth, and by extension, too much political power at the expense of everyone else. This is not a Democrat or Republican thing. This is not a rural or urban or suburban thing. It's not a man or a woman thing. It's not a black or a white thing, although all of those pieces play into that. This is a problem with our political economy, and we need to figure out how to change it so that all of us can have a greater say over how our lives work. You mean we want to have a democracy? Yes, not just a democracy, Even a democracy that has elements of socialism in it. Whoa! (gasps) I just said the S word. I don't mean socialism in terms of big, bad, scary Russia or China. I mean socialism in terms of we are people in a society who vote on things that make our society better. That's the kind of socialism I mean. Hey, have you heard of Medicare or Medicaid? Have you heard of Social Security? That's socialism, folks. Let's have more of it. Let's have more health care for everyone. Let's have housing for everyone. That's the kind of socialism I'm arguing for. If that's scary to you, then go watch Saw or something. <laughs> go watch a Halloween movie, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Mary, let's start with the numbers on today's show. Three things. We're talking about the COVID-19 latest numbers. We'll talk about voting, where we're at in terms of the turnout. And then we'll uh, talk about the upcoming tax brackets for 20. 21. Let's start with the numbers of COVID-19 locally. Yesterday was not a good day for us. It was not a good day. Um, so I'm going to start, as usual, just very briefly with worldwide numbers and get and get narrower. And we're mostly going to talk about local numbers today. Um, but worldwide, there have been 46 million cases and 1.2 million deaths since the start of the pandemic. Uh, in the United States, this week we crossed a threshold of n- over nine. We had our nine millionth recorded COVID-19 case since the start. Uh, at, at the moment, there are about 9.3 million cases recorded and over 235,000 deaths, which is a lot of deaths. 
just in case you weren't sure. Uh, this has been the worst week yet since the start of the pandemic. Uh, COVID-19 is now rampant all over the country. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were seeing it in hot spots throughout the country, and now it's really everywhere. Um, this week, more than 500,000 new cases were recorded. And as That's I mentioned, insane. the 9 millionth case was was recorded in, in in one week so just this past in one week, week yeah just this past week over 500,000 new cases in fact just on Thursday at least 90,000 new cases were recorded which just to put that in perspective that is more than one case per second wow in that day is that for the US or for the world that's for the US <laughs> oh good <laughs> just the US <laughs> yes <laughs> So that if 500, so the, the population of Monroe County is like 700 to 800,000. So that's almost all of Monroe County being diagnosed with COVID-19 over the past week, uh, as an example. Yeah. Thankfully, that's not the case. Right. Um, and, and just as a note of a little bit of brightness here, according to the New York Times, the hospitalizations have been rising, for example, in New York City. But generally, people who are admitted to the hospital have been staying shorter and fewer patients are dying. So, you know, there there isn't all it, there's a lot more cases, which is not great. But there does seem to be some level of learning how to treat the cases and more people are surviving, um, which is good news. Uh, lately, the death rate. Uh, has averaged about 800 per day, which is a lot of people, and there's nothing, you know, there's nothing more to say about that, but it is lower than at the peak, despite the rise in cases. Um, one thing to keep in mind here, which is, you know, the darker side of it, is that the death count does tend to lag behind the hospitalization count by a few weeks, because when people get COVID-19, they don't usually die after a few days. It does often take a few weeks. Um, so we'll probably see, you know, as as we had this one really high count week of hospitalizations, we'll probably be seeing a higher death count in a few weeks if those things stay constant. Yeah, I mean, you know, the 800 deaths a day, uh, while constant, <laughs> um, is... I mean, that's the average. It's not to say right. that there are 800 every day. Yeah, I mean, what that basically means is it's like the... The, a third new mortality for humans, you know, yeah. it's so not just do we have to worry about dying from cancer or heart disease, which are the first two, but uh, now COVID-19. So, you know, it's a serious thing. It's, it's a it's an actual threat that uh, is taking lives. Yes. And it's, it's not just the flu. You know, it, it's it's a it's a bad thing. Yes. But the flu season is certainly beginning. You know, <laughs> it's it's certainly contributing to that rise in numbers as people are having more similar, you know, more similar symptoms that they're not recognizing as COVID-19, etc. So just to narrow, let's narrow in on Monroe County. Uh, since the start of the pandemic, there have been over 7,000 total confirmed cases and just over 300 deaths. This past Friday was the highest daily case count since the start of the pandemic with 136 new cases. So it's yesterday. That's yesterday. Um, that is huge news because that means that people are starting to sort of 
get more lax. Actually, I have a quote here from Michael Mendoza, who's the Monroe County Public Health Commissioner, on why there are rising cases. Um, He says, we are finding more small and large gatherings where attendees are not observing essential precautions, including social distancing and mask wearing. We believe this is now leading to transmission within workplaces, as we are experiencing a growing number of small clusters among employees of local businesses and institutions. As a note here, the majority of the cases of the new cases from Friday are of people in their 20s. I believe there were 46 cases of the 136 were people in their 20s. So it's a majority minority. It's not an actual majority. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. The largest of the, right. you know. Um, yeah. So that does indicate that it's people who are working. It's younger people who are going out and socializing, which at the beginning of the pandemic was not the case. Um, but it is a, a very stark reminder that we do need to continue to be vigilant. We need to continue social distancing, uh, staying within our households or smaller pods and not having these large or small gatherings. But it's also an indication that as we're reopening and people are returning to work, they're not taking the necessary precautions that would keep them safe. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, um, you know, what struck me on the, on the last debate between President Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden is that uh, Joe Biden said, you know, we're, we're heading into a dark winter. And the Trump immediately countered, like, there's no dark winter. You know, we're, we've turned the corner on COVID-19. I, I'm struck by how this is the worst week ever for COVID-19 in the United States that began way back in March, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it seems so weird. Like, back, I, I don't know about you guys, but. Back in March, I was scared to, like, get my mail, <laughs> you know. I was scared yeah. to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Um, I didn't leave the house besides to get food where I spent, you know, thankfully I have the money to do this, but I spent hundreds of dollars on, like, food that lasted, like, two to three weeks. Um, and now it just feels so different, you know. we it, it, It's amazing how fast humans adapt. Um, I don't feel sort of the same level of fear to COVID-19 as I used to, but I'm still really worried about what the virus can do to to me, the people I care about, and even my fellow citizens locally, you know. I think one thing to keep in mind is that we often focus on the number of people infected and the number of people dying, but we don't spend as much time talking about the long-term after effects that people are suffering through many of which we don't even really fully understand at this point because this is still a relatively new disease yeah matt i think you're referencing the fact that even if people survive covid there are reports increasing reports of people having long-term health complications such as chronic fatigue uh more anxiety and depression and and other health issues lasting lung damage right yep yeah, difficulty breathing. Um, that That's really scary, you know, and I, I certainly don't... They're, they're called kind of long haulers in the new. They're called like COVID long haulers where, okay, I survived COVID, but you're still kind of... It's still kind of with you. And, and you're right, we don't fully understand what's going on with that, what all the symptoms are and how to treat them. So, you know, it isn't just, hey, I survived it or not, you know. Um, it's something to be concerned about. Yeah, it's not clear cut. And just as a last note, if you are looking for more resources and testing information for Monroe County, 
you can easily find that information. Monroe County has really great resources, both through the government and through Rochester Regional Health. Um, but you can just go to monroecounty.gov forward slash health slash COVID-19. I certainly know. I'm going to I'm gonna keep wearing a mask. I'm going to keep practicing physical distancing. You remember, mm-hmm. not necessarily social distancing, where we all need uh, support networks to keep us going. So I'm going to keep maintaining at least six feet of social distancing from other people, uh, but not necessarily social distancing. And I mean that gently. You know, it's not like, oh, you can just have a bunch of parties, and if you stand 6.1 feet away from someone, you're safe. That's, of course, not what that means. We've talked before how COVID-19 primarily spreads through respiratory droplets through the air, and therefore just because you're six feet away from someone doesn't mean that you're okay. Uh, COVID spreads from just talking, from obviously especially sneezing or coughing. Uh, even when you're wearing a mask, droplets still escape. And if you haven't seen kind of, oh, uh, they're not x-rays or infrared, but like those sort of images of what happens when people sneeze or cough or talk, when wearing a mask or not, you know, it shows kind of the respiratory droplets being expelled. Mm-hmm. That's really worth looking up because they're the kind of invisible, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's really it's really helpful when you see it to get a picture of it. In the same way, I remember I was in like sixth or seventh grade in home economics class and we were like cooking or something. And the teacher was trying to tell us the importance of washing our hands. And, you know, I didn't want to wash my hands when I was in sixth or seventh grade because, oh, it's something I have to do, you know? Oh, put on my seatbelt? I don't want to do that. Oh, brush my teeth? I don't want to do that. Oh, wash my hands? I don't want to do that, you know? So um, the teacher had like a blue light thing that allowed you to see, I guess, germs on your hands. And so I washed my hands as I normally would. And I was like, yeah, I washed my hands. And she shined the blue light on my hands and they were like apparently filthy according to the blue light, you know? Like I didn't, I didn't actually clean off any of like the the germs or grossness. And I, that image has never left for me in my entire life. Every single time I wash my hands, I think of that moment. And so now when I'm wearing a mask or coughing, talking, sneezing, I always think of those sort of images of respiratory droplets being spread when people talk, cough, or sneeze. And I'm like, okay, so 6.1 feet doesn't mean anything. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's sort of a guideline, a helpful thing, a helpful, helpful phrase, you know. I think something that we're all, we also might be seeing is that we have been living um, with this disease for the last six or seven months at this point, and fatigue is definitely setting in. And so people, while they might have been initially, you know, scared into following guidelines, are just at this point probably feeling fed up with having to wear a mask all the time and having to uh, keep physical distance from others. But with the winter and with the changing uh, weather, uh, it's now even more important to to practice those guidelines. And just a reminder, you tuned into 100.9 FM WXIR. You're listening to Evidence of Design, and you can give us a call and let us know what you think on this Halloween by giving us a ring at 585-219-8889. Matt, you're talking about pandemic-related fatigue, potentially, how we just experienced the worst week in COVID-19 in terms of numbers and spreads and infection rates. Uh, and even locally, we have the, the record number of infections here in Monroe County yesterday, Friday. The problem with pandemic-related fatigue is that the more I look at what experts are saying about COVID is that it's going to be with us for a long time. Uh, I've seen reports from epidemiologists and social scientists that say that we will continue to need to social distance and wear masks at least through 2022. Now, I don't... That's, uh, Jason, that's two years from now. It's a, it's a long time from now. Yeah. And so... 
I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen. We don't know. Remember, what Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's infectious disease experts, has always said, you know, the virus creates the timeline, and human beings can help to influence the trajectory of the timeline by the actions we take. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, we're, this is going to be part of our lives. And that's why when we were starting out this segment, I was saying, you know, it's we need to acknowledge that we're living through tough times. And that's okay. You know, human beings have lived through tough times before. World War II, the Great Depression, you know, the war in Vietnam, uh, and, and many, and, and, you know, slavery, <laughs> to name a few. Um, these are tough times. And we shouldn't try to just sort of ignore that and blast through it. Um, we're going to have to be comfortable with this discomfort. Uh, I think we do have a caller on evidence of design. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, this is uh, Aaron from Istanbul. Uh, I couldn't get the website to load on my phone here, so I couldn't uh, play your stream, so I have no idea what the topic is. But well, you can name any topic, whatever you're talking about today, and I will give you my my true factual opinion about the subject. Aaron from Istanbul. Uh, I'm guessing you're typically Aaron from Queens. I am typically Aaron from Queens. Right now I'm Aaron from Istanbul, yes. Uh, where's Istanbul as a reminder, Aaron? It's I, I don't know. It's some country in Europe or Asia. Or I could be Africa. I don't really pay attention. I'm American. Don't know about geography. Don't care. In uh, fact, I, I, used, I thought this city was called Constantinople. They changed it on me. <laughs> they changed it a few few years ago. Yeah. Istanbul's in now, Turkey. When I booked so. my flight, when I booked my flight, it was called Constantinople. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. This is our first caller from Turkey, um, the country. It's great, great to have you okay. on. Uh, Aaron, we were just talking about COVID-19, how the United States in the past week had the, the, the worst week yet in terms of COVID. And here in Monroe mm-hmm. County, locally, we had the highest number of daily infections we've ever had, 136. And so we were talking about how we need to become comfortable with our discomfort in terms of wearing masks, social distancing, et cetera, for probably well into 2022, how COVID-19 isn't going away anytime soon. Right. Um, so you, you're an American who made the decision to get on an airplane and travel halfway across the world to another country. Um, yeah, it sounds are, are, like that was the right decision based on <laughs> what you just told me. <laughs> so um, based on the information, oh, are you worried about COVID-19, Aaron? Uh, I'm less worried about it here in in whatever country you said I'm in. Um, <laughs> it, it honestly sounds like a bird. I I think you're just making that up. <laughs> but um, I, I I saw a news article a few days ago about uh, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows saying that um, we just we're not going to deal with COVID and we just need to accept it basically. And so, you know, my response to that I, I post on on my Instagram. Uh, uh, I think it's called like um, it's some it's some little poem and it goes something like uh, God grant me the uh, uh, strength to uh, change the things I can, the serenity to accept the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that is what the Trump administration and America in general is doing right now is just you know accepting uh, that there's nothing we can do about it <laughs> and just you know trying to be trying to have the serenity and, and, the, and the peace and the acceptance to just uh, deal with the fact that, uh, you know, it's looking like if it hit 300,000 deaths that about one in every thousand Americans will have died from this. Um, you know, it's crazy that in modern, in a modern industrial, you know, post-Renaissance, post-scientific revolution society that uh, one in 1,000 American citizens in the most wealthy country in the history of the world are going to, you know, 
die of a plague, but it uh, just goes to show the complete ineptitude of uh, the American government. But that's not something we knew about. Oh, that's not something we didn't know about before. And, you know, hopefully in a few days we will get a brand new American government that will still be evil and neoliberal in their own ways, but just at least more competent in dealing with the, uh, you know, situations and crises that the world throws at us. So I am a little interested because you mentioned wisdom in there and there's no trace Mm -hmm. of that. Um, Just a a quick question. What's your thought on the... um, the potential for a mask mandate if we do end up having a change in government that, that would support such a measure? Yeah, I I mean, it's, of, of course, it, it should have happened immediately. It should have happened instantly. There's it, the, the idea that, I mean, we accept infringements on our civil liberties all the time. You know, we have seatbelt laws, and there's, uh, I saw this one point, somebody was talking about how that uh, if, uh, seatbelt laws didn't exist and in 2020 the government tried passing seatbelt laws (laughs) then there would be a giant like protest movement about it you would see you know (laughs) people with the don't tread on me flags and you would uh basically uh, see people saying that they're stepping on my freedom and you know people out with guns in front of governor's mansions and stuff like that or all protesting seatbelts or or car manufacturers yeah (laughs) saying it's cost too much exactly But right now, I mean, the thing is, like, wearing masks doesn't infringe on, like, it, it costs car manufacturers to put in seatbelts. Like, if anything, I don't, I don't know anybody who's opposed to, the, you know, the mask, any businesses who are opposed to the mask thing. I bet I bet there would be significantly more uh, opposition to the mask mandate in America if it actually impinged on a major corporation's profits. Then you might actually see something more coordinated than, you know, just a sort of spas- spasmodic reaction from the insane people who are already predisposed to, you know, uh, being opposed to vaccines and uh, being sympathetic to the possibility that the earth could be flat. Um, but yeah, I just see it along those lines. I have absolutely no problem with the mass mandate. You know, it doesn't restrict uh, any, any civil liberties in, in essentially any way. So that's the first thing the Biden administration should do. Sure. And just a, a quick question, because as we mentioned and, and you mentioned, you uh, recently got on a plane and traveled to Istanbul, Turkey. What was it like on the plane and, and how are how is the reaction different in, uh, Istab- in Istanbul than in Queens? Well, uh, my experience on the plane was a bit <laughs> different than how people usually uh, fly on planes, if you're asking. Uh, I was in my own uh, personal enclosed suite in first class as the only passenger in the first class on the flight. So I didn't see a single soul except for crew crew members. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm fortunate uh, to have experienced that. But, you know, I did fly. I I did fly uh, very sadly, very, very sadly from Dubai to uh, Istanbul on an economy flight where I actually had to the other humans oh, when I traveled. Which those Philistines. Wow. I know. <laughs> those peasants. Yeah. And, and, and that was actually two full flights in a row, which was very, <laughs> you know, it felt very wrong to be in an enclosed area with that many people for so long. But I was reading some articles recently about how um, uh, air, like flight, flights are actually relatively safe because, as actually Emirates told us when we boarded, that uh, the air cycles through uh, and is filtered every three minutes, the full air right. in the cabin every three minutes. Right. So yeah. there's filtration systems in modern airplanes that deal with that. I think the biggest 
uh, risk is not actually airlines, but just, you know, being around people indoors. That's the usual stuff. But, you know, it, it, every country is dealing it with it its own way. Uh, the UAE required uh, COVID tests done before four days, uh, within four days of travel. Turkey actually doesn't, didn't require anything, uh, which was very strange. They required no tests. They took, didn't so much as take your temperature when you showed up here. You know, there was no requirements to travel. And, you know, they're having their own trouble with it. Uh, not nearly to the extent of the U.S. and actually France, Germany, and the U.K. are also doing much worse than Turkey. I think Turkey is up to about 2,500 new cases a day, which is, you know, not nothing, but it's it's, it's not, not 500,000 so over the past week. Yeah, it's, of course, that's incredible. That's terrible. But yeah, it, it's certainly strange traveling internationally. But I mean, once you're here, once you're, you know, on the ground in, in a new city, it's essentially just being like, you know, in, in any other city, you just wear your mask, you stay outdoors i'm eating outdoors right now having a uh, a little cocktail on an outdoor balcony and uh you know you just try to uh be reasonable about it well aaron always good to hear from you uh, wherever you call from um mm-hmm. <laughs> do take care safe travels back and uh wear your mask is this your last show before the election this is okay. we're talking about voting uh, next Mhm. and uh yeah, have fun with that, and uh, I will be, uh, you know, watching the election and hoping that my write-in candidate of Bernie Sanders does win. I did write him in, and uh, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't win. I've, I've heard of at least two other people in the country who have written him in, so I feel <laughs> like he has a good shot. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we'll see. I'll be I'll be watching CNN, you know, seeing that name, that name Bernie coming up a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Even he'll be surprised. <laughs> I didn't oh, yeah. even vote for myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I voted for uh, Joe Joe Biden. I uh, I humbly accept uh, the uh, uh, presidency of the United States with all but one vote. Actually, every single person in America wrote me in except for me. Uh, so that was uh, that was a surprise. But uh, yes, as president, I will now institute the communist dictatorship and uh, send. All Republicans to the gulag. Okay, that's how I expected it to go. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Aaron, thanks. Take care. Yeah. All right. See you guys. And by the way, you can, you too can call in <laughs> Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester by giving us a call at 585-219-8889, 585-219-8889. Aaron just did that from the country of Turkey, so I imagine it works locally too, or even domestically. <laughs> I don't know how you can call from a different country. My phone Magic. blows up every time I cross a border, but um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, to be honest, I can't imagine getting on a plane right now. No, I so wouldn't. I, I think that, you know, it's great to know that there's good ventilation and I have some family members who'll be traveling soon and hope them that'll be safe for them. But I just, yeah, I can't imagine getting on a flight. Well, it helps when like Aaron mentioned, you have the means to travel non-economy. <laughs> it's almost, Certainly, So, yeah. you know, we know that the more wealth and income you have, the, the safer, you, the can safer be. you are. And and that's not just with COVID-19 people, it's with life, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So, um, if, if, if you are poor, you tend to have worse outcomes universally <laughs> in, in many aspects. And it's not, and by the way, if you're poor, it's a, this isn't a, a bad thing, like it's your fault. Poor is just... Uh, uh, I don't want to say objective because it's a dirty word, but like 
it's just a way to describe one's living situations, you know, where you lack uh, either minor uh, <laughs> discretionary spending or you lack the means to meet your material needs. And that's okay to describe it that way, right? It's mm-hmm. okay to, if you're poor, to, to know that you're poor and vice versa. You know, we, we've all been there in different ways. So um, I think we do have another caller on evidence of design on 100.9 FM WXIR. Hello, you're on the air. Um, hi, this is Jeff from Webster. I just heard uh, about uh, Aaron from Queens slash Istanbul, his uh, flying, um, what he went through. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, thanks for giving us a call. What's on your mind? Um, I just recently traveled myself to Utah. It was a total of four flights from Rochester to Charlotte, uh, or Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and then to Salt Lake City. So it was four domestic flights, certainly not first class the way apparently Aaron gets to travel. Um, but all of the flights were fine. I was a little startled though. Each of the flights was full, about, um, 90 to 100% full. There wasn't any spacing between people. There was the occasional random empty seat. Um, everyone was wearing face, face masks, except when they were eating or drinking. Um, it feels very different because you're not provided food at all, and you have to bring whatever you want to have on the plane on the plane. But otherwise, it, it felt safe. The only thing is, of course, New York State has nearly all the other states on the quarantine list, so now I have to quarantine from work for two weeks just from work jeff or from other places too um from work and uh apparently from public areas as well apparently yes and so. then there's a there's a daily check-in too that the state sends out and it was interesting because we were met by the new york guard when we arrived at the Rochester airport last saturday and they made sure that we had filled out the um, online questionnaire or filed the paper work back in north carolina well, um, Jeff, I'm, uh, are you, do you have any symptoms right now? Are you feeling okay? I feel completely fine. I wish there was easy access or how to figure out to get a COVID test out of curiosity, but I feel completely fine. I don't think that I got anything. Of course, time will tell, but uh, no, I feel fine. Well, Jeff, I can tell you, I've had a couple of COVID tests and it's very easy. Um, I've gone to, from personal experience, I've gone to Well Now Urgent Care and literally walked in and gotten a COVID test within about a half hour. So it's very easy. I got my results back within two or three days. Um, I did the same thing uh, back in April out of curiosity, walked right in, but got the test six days later. So I just need to go again out of curiosity to get tested again. Yep, definitely a good idea. Okay. Just thought I'd mention my experience having traveled domestically on four flights uh, last week. Well, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you giving us a call. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So let's switch gears real fast. So we've been talking a lot about COVID-19, and I think we want to briefly bring up some voting information. You know, we're in the middle of early voting in Monroe County, uh, Jason, did you have some information about how many people have voted so far? I, I do. And also, you know, <laughs> um, it's not our position to endorse air travel on this show. <laughs> it seems like we're taking money from the airplane industries, but, um, 
No, someone else, please give us a call. 585-219-8889. Someone who is not. about how you didn't fly anywhere yeah. this week. <laughs> is there anyone out there listening right now who has not flown on a plane recently? 585-219-8889. That may or may not be related to Jason. <laughs> 585-219-8889. Given that uh, Friday was the most number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Monroe County to date, and also the past week was the worst um, the number of cases in the U.S. to date of more than 500,000 confirmed cases. Yeah. I think this does back up our, our, you know, what Matt was talking about, about fatigue, you know, that people are, you know, itching to go places. And it's hard to, hard to stay in one place for months and months and months. Certainly. Yeah. COVID-19 will fundamentally change our society. And I don't mean this in a crazy grandiose scale. I mean, things are different after COVID-19. It's a seminal moment. And who knows what those differences are. It's more than a moment. (laughs) Yeah. Or how long they'll last. But (laughs) COVID-19 will change our society. And there is no going back to normal. Everyone always says, go back to normal. Oh, Joe Biden, let's go back to the normal days of Barack Obama. Let's go back to the good old days of 2016. Right. You know, 2010. Great. You know, so there is no normal in society. We invent normal every day. And so it's up to us to invent the society we want to live in. And if that happens to be wearing a mask, I agree with Aaron that it doesn't disrupt your civil liberties, you know. And and we can all abide by social distancing so that less people, less fellow citizens, you have a less chance of dying. And the whole reason we're doing all of this, the whole reason we're doing these mitigation efforts is that so we eventually will get a vaccine and allows us to go about our lives as we do with the flu every year. Get the vaccine, go about your life. You know, that's the whole reason. So this will pass mm-hmm. unless literally the pandemic kills everyone, which it could, right? There are pandemics out there that could kill all humans. Human society could be could end. You know, nuclear war, asteroids. Like, it does, you know, but, but COVID-19 is not that, right? There's no evidence to suggest that COVID-19 will wipe us out. No. And therefore, we should do these strategies that we can, that we know work, that are simple to do, that are cost-effective, and that are better than a vaccine. And uh, just to remind our listeners, we don't endorse air travel at this moment. Right. <laughs> That's not our position, but I'm glad to hear that so far it seems like Aaron from T- Turkey and Jeff from Webster <laughs> are safe. That's good to be safe, and I'm glad to hear that people are safe. Does he know he's in Istanbul? I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't even tell what continent it was on. <laughs> well. These are confusing times, man. <laughs> indeed. But at least he did vote before leaving the country. Yeah. It's also not our position to uh, make fun of callers who tune into the show. So don't be put off, folks. 585-219. We only, we only make fun of frequent callers. Right. People we know. Yes, people we know. <laughs> so, um, Mary, you were right that we should pivot to give an update about voting on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. You're listening to Evidence of Design. Guess what? Happy Halloween. I'm doing my voting dance. You are doing a voting dance. It's really great. It, I voted yesterday. I voted two days ago. I voted the beginning of October. All right. I'm proud to vote. I have the sticker proudly displayed on my wallet. And every time I open it up to make a capitalist transaction, I'm reminded <laughs> of the fact that I voted to end this capitalist regime. <laughs> so um, it's a good time. Today, well, yeah, there's yeah. a high turnout. There is. To date, more than... Well, I'm sorry, not to date. Uh, So this is as of the end of Thursday. So two days ago, as of the show airing. uh, As of the end of Thursday, more than 71,000 people in Monroe County have participated in early voting. That means actually going to the the various polling locations early, casting your ballot. Also, 
a little more than that number, around 82,000 folks, have voted absentee. So, Mary, Matt, both of you voted absentee. I voted early. Mm -hmm. We are part of those numbers. If it weren't for me, I would have to give an odd number and say 69,600. Or how do I do math? 69. You'll figure it out. Oh, yeah, wait. (laughs) 70,999 people would have voted early. But because of me, I'm just proud to have voted. That's all I'm saying is it really adds to the numbers here. Never discount your one vote. No, absolutely not. So anyways, folks, uh, taken together as of the end of the day, Thursday, around 154,000 people have voted early so far in Monroe County. That's around 30% of all registered voters. So a third of the vote is already in. Again, there's around 750,000 people in Monroe County. Around 150,000 people have already voted as of Thursday. So there's a lot more folks out there who can get their votes in. For the 2016 general election that happened four years ago, 351,000 people voted in Monroe County. The voter turnout then was around 75%. So three out of four of all registered voters in Monroe County voted in the 2016 general election. Forecasts are that the number will be even higher, which is a good thing. Yes, indeed. But we are not there yet. But anyways, I mean, what we are there is, uh, you know, as of the end of the day Thursday, more than half of all of the votes have been cast as compared to 2016. That's a really good sign. And I, I think one of the things that's helping that along is the amount of early voting sites that we have. So people don't have to just wait and have only the option of voting absentee or going into their polling place on November 3rd, which is not a holiday, so people have to find time from work. But we have had uh, nine days before the general election day uh, to actually go and vote early. And as I had an absentee ballot, and I just brought it to an early voting location to put it in a secure ballot box, there are so many ways to vote. Absolutely. To speak of those early voting days and times, there's only two days left, including today, for you to cast your ballot early before the November 3rd general election. I don't think you can apply for an absentee ballot at this point. So if you don't have that, you'll have to vote in person. I think you can in person, actually. You can't vote by, or you can't apply for an absentee ballot by mail anymore. That ended on October 27th. Mm -hmm. However, you can still apply for an absentee ballot in person, but if you're going to apply for one in person, you might as well just go to and the polls. In person, yeah, right. And you can do that today, right now, or tomorrow. So today, Halloween, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., polls are open. They are open right now, folks. They're also open tomorrow, Sunday, your last day to vote early, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. as well. Where can you vote in Monroe County early? It doesn't matter where you live. You can go to any one of the following places I'm about to read to vote early today or tomorrow between 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can go to the David F. Gant Community Center. You can go to the City of Rochester Recreation Bureau, the Genesee Valley Fieldhouse, the Edgerton Recreation Center, the SUNY Empire State College, Town of Chilai Senior Center, North Greece Road Church of Christ, Marketplace Mall at the North Entrance, Arondequoit Public Library, the Harris Wayland Park Lodge, Parenton Square Mall, or the Webster Recreation Center. You know where I got that list? I got it off MonroeCounty.gov 
forward slash elections. So you can check where you can vote. You just you just show up there. There's no voter ID laws in New York State, to my knowledge, besides having a signature. So you just got to sign your name. So we are lucky to have it fairly easy to vote so far. Uh, I waited to vote for over an hour, but I've heard most other people did not have my experience. Most people have voted in very, very short lines, like walk in, walk out. Takes three to five minutes if you don't have any line. Sounds like something worth doing. Also, something I love to promote is that you can check your ballot. You know, you probably don't want to just see the ballot for the first time when you're there to vote in case you're surprised by any candidate or whatnot. You can find your own personal ballot. You can see your ballot online, monroecounty.gov forward slash elections. It's pretty great. I also want to point out... uh you know, this is not new news in terms of voter turnout. So it's great that even locally and nationally, we are seeing higher voter turnout. Uh, I've heard reports that there are higher turnouts from folks who are younger, which is really great because we know that younger folks tend to have an abysmally low turnout. For example, locally in Monroe County in 2016, the youngest block of voters age 18 to 24, only 58% of them turned out to vote compared to folks who are um, at retirement age, well, in the end of their careers, 55 to 64, 85% of those folks turned out. This is true locally. This is true nationally. Younger folks do not turn out to vote. Why would you do that? As a younger person myself, I no longer fall into that youngest category, getting old and creaky and crotchety. It's all right. <laughs> now I can have an excuse to be so. Um, you know, it's, why would you wait? Why would you wait until you're old, creaky, and crotchety to vote when you can do it when you're young, spry, and good-looking? So go out there. Well, I can't <laughs> tell you to go out there. Um, it might be worth considering <laughs> to, to go vote <laughs> today or tomorrow between 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at any of the aforementioned early voting locations, or you can wait for Election Day on Tuesday, November 3rd, between 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. at your designated polling location, which you can find, again, MonroeCounty.gov forward slash elections. Why would you want to be the last, you know, like, why would you want to be left out? No one likes to be left out. All the cool kids are voting. Even the uncool kids are voting, like me. We're all getting out there. Even my eight-year-old housemate said that she wants to vote. And she can't, because she's seven, eight. Sorry about the misaging. But uh, she can't wait to get out and vote. So if you are of age, just make her dream come true. Exactly. I just... I don't know why. Hey, uh, you know who's on the ballot? Who's that? A lot of folks. So there's the president is on the ballot. Not Bernie Sanders, actually. Bernie Sanders is not on the ballot. Sorry, Aaron from Queens. You can Aaron from Queens wrote his name in, which is fine. Uh, you, you can, and th- this is what I love here from people is like I, I love the excuses for not voting, which is like I don't like any of the candidates. Well, you can write in anyone, anyone you, want. you want. You can write yourself in, folks. You can write in Mary's eight-year-old housemate. Yeah. They're not going to win, probably. But, well, you have to be 35 to be president. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what happens if people actually elect someone I mean, who's not eligible to be on the... I don't know what happens. People said Trump was unelectable. I I believe anything. I, any, you know, I, I take the eight-year-old over Trump, to be honest. So, um, I, it, we, it's basically what we have in the office anyway. So what's the difference? Might as, might as well go with someone who's their actual age. But, um, yeah, I don't know what happens if someone wins who, who's a writing candidate. I know what's happened before, I think. I forgot the famous example that was fairly recently, but um, obviously it wasn't for president. 
but you know there's presidents on the ballot there are uh, surrogate court judges i'm sure our our colleagues uh the show after us esquire hour talks about the different judge positions i think they've actually had some on as well some of the candidates have been on their show on the esquire hour or yeah. interview so right yeah and there's um there's state assembly races there's state senate races so we are we voters are articulating the balance of power over the next number of years why would we want to not have our voice heard in that articulation of power whether it's a state race or a federal race or a judgeship race all branches of government around the ballot executive legislative judicial lots of judicial this election yes so why would we not want to make our voice heard in that process i don't know I keep asking that question. Maybe you can let me know by giving us a call on 100.9 FM WXIR. You're listening to Evidence of Design by giving us a -a ring-a-ding-dong at 585-219-8889, 585-219-8889. So we just have a few minutes left. Uh, Did you want to talk a little bit about tax brackets? Uh, No, not in the time that we have. By the way, folks. I would like to mention real quick. Matt, please do. um, Before I move on, that... I read uh, an article just yesterday that talked about how a not insignificant number of young voters who, well, potential young voters have have reported that they have sort of abstained from voting in an election, not because they had voter apathy, as um, many sort of media outlets often accuse young people of having, but from... Um, actual difficulties in knowing how to vote, uh, registering to vote, uh, Hmm. and even voter suppression. Something like 20% of people uh, under the age of 30 who responded to this survey mentioned having some sort of difficulty uh, in voting. And so I think we do need to acknowledge that there is a systemic effort to suppress the vote in this country, and there has been for decades, centuries even. Yeah, you, that is true, Matt. Um, and, you know, we don't mean to be glib by saying it's the easiest thing in the world to vote. We know there are concerns related to COVID-19. We know there are real, honest voter suppression concerns. I, I'm, more, I'm mainly speaking locally because that's the power that we have, you know, by saying here's when the polls are open, here's where you can go, because that's all I have control over. I don't have control over the people in Georgia who have to sure. wait, wait in, you know, hours-long lines because there's one polling place for tens of thousands of people. Um in, in regards to those concerns about sort of apprehensions of voting, totally. I mean, I was lucky enough to grow up in a family where I was brought to vote. So I always, you know, voting for me was something I knew I would do because I was cultured into that system. And I'm glad to be cultured into that. Um, I knew how to vote on the old pull lever machines. I knew how to vote with the current Scantron machines. So, you know, it's something I grew up knowing. I don't know how to use a power drill. <laughs> and that stinks, you know. And uh, therefore, I have shied away from doing ho- like homemade projects because I don't know how to do the stuff and it's, I feel bad about not knowing how to do it I feel shamed and I don't have the energy to do the work I need to do to know how to do it don't let politics be that for you though You know, don't pull a Jason when it comes to not doing home improvement projects because I never learned it and it wasn't in my culture don't let politics be the thing that uh, prevents you from you know making your voice heard your voice matters we invent politics every day and y- you have the power to do that, you know, whether or not you know, you feel like you know a ton or you don't, or you're scared, you know, 
the best place to start is by just showing up and doing it. And you can ask for help at, for polling places. You know, how do I fill this out? They'll let you know how to do it. They'll walk you through it. And it's all transparent. You don't have to let people know who you're going to vote for. Yeah, I mean, I think if I can just piggyback on what you said, I did grow up in a family that was very apathetic when it came to voting. And so I think that was a large, had a lot to do with the fact that I didn't vote in the first presidential election that I was eligible to. It wasn't until the second one that I really became sort of, I guess, um, invested in politics. And I don't, we don't have enough time to get into what, what exactly that was for me, but I think that that even something as little as that is not having grown up in an environment that valued or necessarily even talked about voting is significant for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Our society, I think, would be better warm people to value voting. Um, I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. But uh, it's not an easy black or white thing. We live in a society that requires nuance to understand, and there are lots of reasons to vote or not vote. Uh, b- but honestly, I, I think the worst thing one can do is, is, is not vote in this system that we have because you are ceding power to those who really wish you don't vote. There are people out there who don't want you to vote. And why give them the power and the satisfaction for you not having your voice be heard? And remember, if you don't like any of the candidates on the ballot, write in a candidate. Why do you ask? So here's the big thing. Why would you write in a candidate even when there's, um, you know, why would you, why would you bother voting if you're just going to write in a candidate? The reason is because when the results come out, it shows X number of people voted but only did a write-in. And that tell that shows power to people. You know, oh, these people bothered to come out and vote, but they didn't choose any of the candidates. That must mean these people are not happy with the way our politics is working. And what are we going to do to win those people over? What are we going to do to give stuff to that people, to those people, you know? So the worst thing you can ever do is not show up because that tells people that you're ready and willing to be trampled on. The best thing you can do if you're mad and ticked off and don't like anyone on the ballot is show up and vote anyways and, and write someone in or something just to, just to make that point. Hey. And right. so in our last few moments on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester, we're going to turn the keys over to the Esquire Hour up next. They always put on a great show, John and Craig, and we actually just got John in the studio here from the Esquire Hour. John, we got about a minute and a half left. What's coming up for the Esquire Hour? Well, it's right up your alley. Uh, Jason, you know, we're going to have a show today about better housing for the people, and we have actually three guests, Barbara Rivera, Liz McGriff, and Pam Owens, and uh, so we'll discuss various possibilities of how we can improve the housing situation for the people here in Rochester. Um, I have a few ideas of my own. I think our guests have a few ideas. So I think that's always an important issue. You know, we don't want people not having a roof over their heads. That's just not good policy for anyone. That's that's the way I look at it. How are you guys? We are doing all right. We know that housing is not a human right currently. We also know that a lot of folks are facing potential evictions due to uh, economic stresses placed on COVID-19 and others. So there's a lot going on in terms of housing, and it sounds like you can learn more. Well, you know, as as you may have heard or may know, that there there have been moratoria uh, both at the federal level and at the state level on evictions 
just the evictions. So it's not as if people's rent has been suspended. It's not as if people's mortgage payments have been suspended. So one of the fears that is coming up and people are starting to write about this is that when these moratoria expire in January, that there's going to be a flood of cases into court to attempt to evict people, to attempt to attempt to foreclose their mortgages and, you know, how the courts are going to handle that and what it what it implies in terms of our uh, housing situation going forward post pandemic. Awesome. Well, stay tuned from 12 to 1 for the Esquire Hour. John, yes or no answer? Did you vote yet? Not yet, no. But you you will vote? I will vote, sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in, folks, to Evidence of Design and 100.9 FM WXIR. we got a roll. You can find Evidence of Design wherever you find any podcast. We're also on YouTube, so search for Evidence of Design. Big thanks to 100.9 FM WXIR for this platform. I was your host, Jason Taylor, joined by good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. Stay safe. And Mary Lawrence. See you at the polls. Yep. Next week's big week. Be well, be safe, take care, and bye-bye.